the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. 11-0 at the TD Garden. This is the Big Three Podcast with HR Blakely, Gary Washburn, and myself, Juani Lunas. If you hadn't heard already, the Celtics are on a hot streak at the TD Garden. So we're going to just start with that, the success that they've been having there. And I'll ask you two first, what do you two think this means for their confidence as a team when they know they can win, despite whatever hurdles they have on the road, they can win at home. It's, it's nice. I mean, to know that you can roll out of bed and get that dub, but the Cleveland game, they made it harder than it should have. Uh, the Cleveland game, I, I thought, showed what happens sometimes when teams make you get a little too fat and happy with their success at home uh, and think that they can just kind of roll out of bed and, and the win is just going to it's just going to happen. And it did. I mean, they had to work for that win. They had to work way harder than I think they anticipated. And I'm curious to see how they're going to come out, you know, on Thursday when they see this same Cavaliers team again. Uh, are they going to play like the team we saw through the second, third, and fourth quarters? Or are they going to go out? Or are they going to come in like punks like they did in the first quarter, you know, on uh, on Tuesday? Um, I think it's good to always defend home court. And remember, the Celtics have had trouble at home over the years, especially in the playoffs. So to establish a a good home court advantage, to be able to win. But I just think they've won, obviously, these games, maybe not on the the home court environment as much as they've won on the talent, you know. Um, And if you look at their five losses, you know, uh, they've been relatively close. I think Orlando was the only game that you felt like um, they didn't really have a chance with like four or five minutes left. Like Minnesota, they lost in overtime. Charlotte, they lost in overtime. Uh, Indiana, they lost in the last couple of minutes. And I'm miss- in Philadelphia, they came all the way back and had a shot. You know, so, you know, they've played well overall, right? You could probably say they should have won the Charlotte game. And if they probably get a couple of breaks, they might get Minnesota. You know, Jalen has a, has, a, has a jumper at the at the – uh, last play regulation. So, I mean, this team has been good overall. So I'm not going to like say, oh, they're great at home and just really average on the road. Um, what I will say is you want to establish a good home court advantage. You want to make Boston a tough place to play. And you want get to the, get the grind out the wins. And I thought, you know, like Sherrod said, they came out slow, fell behind 18 to 4 and 27 to 12. And you're like, okay, they could get blown out here. This is but one of them games where they could fall behind by 30 or something like that, and then maybe come back and make it eight and then still lose. But they cut it to one by halftime and then took, you know, just were the better team in the second half, even though Cleveland, you know, had its moments. So uh, I think it was a good victory because they match up, Cleveland matches up well with the Celtics. Like Cleveland and Orlando, the, the teams that they play over the next three games. Match up well with the Celtics. They're big. And so for, for me, I thought it was a quality win against a team that can beat you. We've seen Donovan Mitchell. We've seen Darius Garland. And we've seen our friend Karis LeVert go for big, big games at the Garden. Uh, so to limit them in the second half, and, and Mitchell looked like he was on his way to 50. He only finished at 29 because I think he had 25 
in the third quarter, you're like, okay, he started getting hot. You're like, uh-oh, this could be one of the 40-pointers. But I thought it was a good quality win. And to remain unscathed at home is a good thing. So obviously it was still a win, but I do want to go through the numbers. So Jalen Brown, 25 points on 10 for 17 shooting. Tatum with 25 and 10 rebounds. Derek White, 17 points, five made threes. But then, like you mentioned, they trailed by 15 points in that first quarter. This win aside, right? Because obviously the results are the most important thing, but let's still look at that first quarter. Pick and roll, are you concerned or do you think it's just one of those things that the Celtics are going to have to deal with throughout this season? Well, for me, I felt like it's just kind of a one-off. They had a couple of days. They had the weekend off. They beat the Knicks. They had the weekend off. They practiced on Monday. And Cleveland had played. And, and sometimes the teams that play the night before have the most energy. And Cleveland came out out with the most energy. Celtics missed a lot of makeable shots. And, and you, you kind of felt like water was going to level up. It, everything was it was going to it was going to rise. It was going to level. They weren't going to be as bad as they were, obviously, in the first seven, eight minutes of the game. You know, and Jalen saved them. I think he scored their first eight points. He saved them from being really in a big hole. And that's what sometimes it's going to happen. You're going to fall behind early. This is the NBA. 20-point com- comebacks are common. 30-point comebacks can happen. 10-point leads are nothing in this league. You can make that up in a minute and a half or two minutes. So um, I'm not concerned about the first quarter. I think they'll make sure – Thursday, they come out more assertive and focused in the first quarter. Um, but I think things leveled off and they were able, able to play a good, strong final three quarters. I'm um, I'm not going to hit the panic button because obviously they won and they, they were able to pull away and they're the better team than Cleveland. But I, I am concerned about how they start games. Uh, I'm concerned that they don't give opponents the kind of respect that all their opponents should get. I am fairly confident that if it were Milwaukee, Instead of, you know, uh, Cleveland, there would have been a different level of focus and intensity and attention to detail at the outset. And they need to get out of that. That I, I think that's still something that's part of their DNA, and that is taking teams for granted, just assuming that because they know what you and I know, that they're better talent-wise than another team, that they can lean on that. And that'll be enough to get them victory. To me, that game, you know what it felt like, G? It felt like game one of a playoff series where mm-hmm. they're at home. And they're like the number one seed or number two seed, and they're playing like a seven seed, a team that they should beat in four, maybe five games. And they played as if they had nothing to lose, as if they could just would, as if it was a glorified practice that first quarter, because they did miss a lot of shots that they normally make. But I was more disturbed with how they didn't get back defensively, and even when they did get back, they weren't locked in. Cleveland had nine fast break points in the first quarter. They had. Zero fast break points for the second, the third, and the fourth. That, to me, tells me that you were not ready at both ends of the floor to start the game because how can you give up nine first quarter points in transition and not a single one for the the remaining three? Clearly, they made that mental shift and locked in more after that first quarter, which is great to see. But I am a little bit concerned that they aren't going to do that as often as they need to. And again, my thinking is, is all for this for this team more than times or not, it's about what's going to happen in the playoffs. Can you do that against a Philadelphia team? Or can you do that against a Milwaukee team that you may have won the head-to-head season series? Can you give, can you spot them a quarter basically and, and I'll play them for the other three and still win? I want to say yes, but I'm not comfortable or confident with that being 
a plan because that to me, that's just a, a recipe for, for immediate failure, putting yourself in a hole that you shouldn't be putting yourself in. It's a self it's a self inflicted wound that you're causing when you allow that stuff to happen. So going back to the positive aspect of what Yeah, this- I went negative belly on that. I know, yeah. I know, I know, but I propped today, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like we said, Celtics 11-0 at the TD Garden, and now they're back on top in the Eastern Conference. Is Tatum back in the MVP conversation as a result of their successes as well? No. No. I don't think he is. I don't think he is because I think when you start looking at their success, as good as he's playing, he's not necessarily the alpha catalyst of that success. You go back and look at that Cleveland game, and him and Jalen Brown finished with the same amount of points. The, The one difference... Tatum had more rebounds, which he should because he missed a hell of a lot of shots. Jalen was more efficient, 10 for 17. And when you start really kind of combing through the weeds of that game, you realize in the second quarter, it was back-to-back-to-back threes by Derek White that really shifted momentum in that game in Boston's favor. And Tatum did his thing. He's a great player. And great players, they can have mediocre games and still get 25 and 10 like he did. That, to me, is why he's not back in that conversation. Not only do you have to win, but you've got to win with a certain panache, a certain style, some swag, flavor to it. 25 and 10, it's like, okay, and what you doing? He needs to have those 35, 15, and 8 type games, and they win by like 20, and they beat really good teams in the process. He's, he, I don't think he's had enough of those type of games where you feel comfortable and confident saying that he's a top two, top three MVP contender, even if they got the best record in the NBA. Yeah, well, I mean, he was the player of the month in November. Okay. November plus. Eastern Conference, yeah, October, November. Okay. Um, and he's not having the statistical season that he's had last year. We averaged over 30. I don't think that's going to happen because you have the presence of Porzingis and you have a much improved Derek White and, you know, much more comfortable. And then you even have Drew Holiday. And then you have Hauser who gets shots too, right? Uh, he's getting a lot of opportunities because he's knocking them down. So I think for Jason to be back in the MVP race, he's going to have to be, like Sherrod said, dominant in stretches. And this is a big stretch coming up. Like you got the, you know, Cleveland and the Orlando games. Then you go out west. You got the Warriors on TNT. You got the the uh, Kings the next night. Then you got the Clippers. Then you got the Lakers on Christmas Day. If Tatum goes through those games and is vintage Tatum, like leading his team to victory, scoring 30, then I think he gets thrown back into the race. Um, as of now, I think he's in the top five, maybe. I mean, you got Luca, you got Anthony Edwards, um, because the Timberwolves are winning. They're the, they're the best tie for the Celtics with the best team, league team, I'm sorry, record in the league, right? Um, so I think Tatum will get respect because of that, because the Celtics are winning. But you also, if you're Tatum, you want to, do other things because I don't think the scoring, like he's not going to go for 34 a game, right? It's going to have to be 27 points, you know, eight, nine, 10 boards. And, you know, if he averages a double double or close to it, and then his assists are up and his turnovers are down, then overall he's had a great season and he could say, Hey, I'm in the MVP talk and they're winning, right? If they win 55, 60 ball games. So I think it's still a chance but I think that there's other players who are putting up bigger numbers, you know, um, I said, like a Luca, like, a, you know, Anthony Edwards, I think Minnesota is going to get attention because they're, they're playing so well. Right. 
You know, Jokic, I think there's going to be some some fatigue on Jokic. You know, Embiid is leading the league in scoring, right? So he's going to be up there now. We, is he going to get – does he have a chance at a back-to-back? I think Philly would have to win 60 games or 50-something games and win the East to probably do that. You got Giannis and then our our, our young Buck back in um, – not Buck, young Pacer in Indiana, um, Tyrese Halliburton. I thought you were just calling him a young buck. Yeah, he was a young buck, but a young (laughs) whippersnapper. Um, But he's going to get some attention, too, because Indiana is now kind of the team on the rise, 13-8, and after beating Sherrod's Pistons and handing the 20th loss in a row. Yo, Um, don't not mention them. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Sherrod's Sherrod's team has lost, (laughs) one of his teams has lost 20 consecutive games. And Indiana had that loss. And uh, Halliburton is the head of the state. And he's going to get MVP attention because of how he did in the in-season tournament. And then, hey, our our young guy, our older guy in L.A., LeBron James, he keeps playing at this pace and put picks up the Lakers. He could get some votes. He might even get my vote. So uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, that's a joke. That's a troll. That was so good. That's a joke. Um, so uh, it's a lot of candidates. There's no way it stands out. So Jason still has a chance, but I think he on this on this stage coming up with Lakers, Warriors on national TV, even this weekend against Orlando. Just we need to see vintage Jason, where you know he is like the best player on the floor. Yeah. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gambling helpline ma.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, while we're on the topic of MVPs, let's talk about another one, Derek White. Joke, insert laughter. but. At the, <laughs> when they played the Knicks, he did get the MVP chance. He addressed it. Obviously, you know, fans, they like to joke around. But let's just talk about the fact that he has, like you said, been very consistent for this team. So pick and roll with him, which matters most to the Celtics' success when it comes to Derek White? Is it being an elite defender, shot blocking? Is it clutch three-point shooting? Or is it just being an overall playmaker, which he's proven that he can do as well? I would say is playmaking uh, because I, I think that that's the one facet of his game that I think separates him in a good way from the rest of his teammates. There's a common influence 
that he has when he's on the floor. Uh, he knows these guys well enough now to get them where they want it in certain situations. He knows how to move about the ball and be ready to make something happen offensively when if it swings his way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the scoring and the defense, they've got lots of guys who can fill that void, but they don't really have enough guys who can have a positive influence on the flow of your offense on the floor as both someone who can facilitate and as someone who can initiate the offense. And so I, I would say just his playmaking is the one thing that they really, really should be most uh, – that needs to be the one thing that he brings to the table that they lean on more than anything else. Yeah, I'm going to say for Derek White, three-point shooting. I'm going to say that he is going to get open looks as long as Jason and Jalen are on the floor. And as long as he hits those open looks – the Celtics are going to be tough to beat, especially with that starting five. If you look at the numbers in the starting five, when they bring Porzingis back, when he's healthy, Drew Holiday is now starting to score a little bit more in the last couple of ball games. He has become more offensively assertive. And then you got Derek White, who's just getting open looks, and he's knocking them down with confidence. And I I just want to say, like, it's just a 180. I, you know, I could I could be hood and say it's a, it's a 360. Oh, my gosh. That's a, one of three, my biggest pet peeves, too. It's a 360. You have done a 360. He back where he started. Yeah. <laughs> done a 360. He's done a 180 in terms of his confidence and his production from the time he got here. It's like having a different player. And this is the, the Derek White, I think the Celtics thought they were getting in 2022. And I just think this might be one of Brad Stevens' best moves. Remember, they traded a first-round pick, but it ended up being Sangoon, I believe. Uh, it ended up going to Houston. I wanted to say it's Sangoon, uh, the, the big man, the real versatile big man. But they also, you know, they traded like Romeo Langford and Josh Richardson. You know, it's, it's, it's a trade that they didn't give up a whole lot. And they got a very productive player a, who's probably a cusp of an all-star. You know, like not – he won't – I don't think he'll make the all-star team. Listen, but I think if you t- took the top 40 players in the league, 45 players, Derek White's on that list at this point. Maybe, you know, maybe stretch to 50, right? That's two all-star teams. That's a third all-star team if you – or something like that, 45, right? So if I'm the Celtics – I think getting him open looks as long as and getting him the ball because he's so damn efficient. He can attack the rim, get to the free throw line, get the get the uh, you know get the score off the glass too. Hitting shots off the glass is a rarity. It's a tough thing to do. I know our friend Kyrie Irving mastered that. There's plenty of play. You know, not many players master getting to the rack and being able to use the glass. Derek White has done that. Oh, Juani, we have breaking news, though, I just saw. You got breaking news before me? Tell us. No, no. Yeah, well, I just looked on X. Well, according to Woj, uh, the Celtics, we all knew when they uh, dumped our friend Nathan Knight that they, you know, from... Shrod, do you have something in common with Nathan Knight? A whole lot in common with Nathan Knight. Me and me, him and your your colleague Adam Himmelsbach all went to the same high school. <laughs> so Sherrod's high school pal, they shared peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in a cafeteria. They played on the basketball. They played they played on the basketball team together. Sherrod's buddy, <laughs> Nathan Knight. 
No, obviously they did not go to high school at the same time. Um, they, <laughs> to, they didn't. They, I mean, you know, I know, on. but it just you don't have to like, say it like that. <laughs> but they waived him, and yep. uh, Woj, according to Woj, they're going to sign Drew Peterson, a kind of a stretch four. Uh, I watched him being a Pac-12 guy. He's a kid. He's a kid. He played a long time. He, he played a long time at USC, and he was kind of in the Miami system, right? He was, a, a, I think, on the Heat summer league team, uh, and he's in the Heat G League team. But the Celtics are, he, according to Woj, are going to sign him, and he could be with the team uh, as as early as tomorrow against Cleveland. So I think that's a interesting kind of a you know they need shooting, and you know. A guy, another developmental player, a guy you know who's played, you know he's a rookie. So I think that's a good pickup. Having watched him, he was a pretty prolific scorer at USC, uh, a, a good ball player, and, and a guy that they can they can kind of you know and maybe I think with Nathan Knight, just what I saw, he's kind of a he's kind of a tweener. He's not a five. He's not a four. He's not a real three point shooter. So it's kind of like, well, where does he fit? You know, I'm sure he'll fit somewhere, but I think a good move for the Celtics to to use that two-way spot on a guy like Drew Peterson. Back to you, Quan. Hey, I love it. Thanks for the the <laughs> yeah, great thanks for report. Yeah, okay. You have already have reacted to it when people wake up on Thursday or whatever the case may be. Also, super random when the when you say when teams say they wave somebody, and then all the replies will be like, "Did he wave back?" I don't know why I find that so funny. Have you seen that before? No, I haven't seen that, Kwani. But every time you, okay, okay, y'all being sarcastic, right? I You're being sarcastic. Oh my gosh, I think it's just like an NBA Twitter X thing where they'll say we've rate we've waved Josh Richardson, and then the replies are like, "Did he wave back?" It, I find it to be so hilarious. So if you're one of those people that comment that, just know you're making well, at least one person laugh. Every time <laughs> that's her inner dad joke. It's so out. funny. It is. It's it's just it's perfect. Her anyway, inner dad joke, funny bone. That's sticks. hysterical. Quantity. Once you just hysterical. said it again, I was like, wow. Hysterical. <laughs> you guys are so unimpressed. I'm very disappointed. All right, moving on from the Celtics overall, we got to talk about our boy, someone's boy, <sighs> Sherrod's boy. <laughs> when in doubt, it's Sherrod's boy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Draymond, we all know, Draymond, we all know who we talking about. Draymond Verde. <laughs> so let's start with Shirai, our Sherrod cousin Draymond Green. <laughs> we just call him Headlock. <laughs> Sherrod's third cousin. Oh, on, his mama, on his mama's side, on Draymond mama's Green. Side. It's always on the mama's side. Yeah. It's always, why is it always going to be on mama's side? I don't know. Side? Oh, it's I always know. on the mama's side. I'm going to get blamed for everything. Seriously. Papa, most of our papas was Rolling Stones, so we don't know all the there's some. You know. If it, who was on that side? Yeah, we don't know all the people on that side of the family. So we'll say Mama's side. Mama. All right, as you guys probably know, he got ejected once again. This is actually, I believe, his third ejection this season. The most I love that they have to say the most in the NBA. He's notorious for getting into situations where he clearly can't control his arms, his legs, whatever the case may be. So that being said, we'll do fill the lane, fill in the lane. The Warriors should blank with Draymond Green. What do you think they should do with this man at this Cut point? Ties. He's Cut his ties. own man that, and I, I don't know. I just, you can't keep calling it a mistake. Dr- Dr- they need to cut ties with Draymond Green. Um, you're not winning with him. 
You're not winning when he doesn't play. You owe him a lot of money. And your friend, he, he doesn't add the same kind of value that he did prior. Because not only is he not helping when he's available, he's becoming less available. And, he, and thus, you're not getting any better when he's not around either. There's just – and Golden State, they're doing the same thing that almost every great team does. Uh, and that is hold on too damn long. That dynasty is over. It's done. Complic- and I saw this happen in Detroit when – they were they were they said you know let's we've been in conference final six years in a row let's keep it going and then they just said no nah, we got to switch something up and they and they traded Chauncey and, and brought in Allen Iverson which was a hot mess but they did something to try to jumpstart what was clearly a group that had reached its endpoint and Golden State for whatever reason think that they can still crank out a, a championship contender they're eleventh in the West. And the thing is that the Western Conference is not getting any easier. There are more teams that are stepping to the forefront. I mean, when I look at Golden State with Draymond, are they better than Denver? I don't think so. Minnesota? Nope. Dallas? Nope. You start going down the list, there's at least seven, eight teams that Golden State, even with their, when they're whole, aren't whole enough to beat uh, these other teams in the best of seven. Uh, and, and again, that says nothing about Steph Curry because he's still one of the baddest men in the game. Uh, Clay Thompson, I, if I were them, I would move on from Clay because Clay, I just don't think, is going to give them what they're hoping for. And Clay, I think he'd be better off in a different situation, different team. Uh, but for the folks in the East, I worry about that because would not shock me if the, if the Heat made a play for Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all. Because remember, he's the guy that you just got to put him in the spot and say, look, run to that spot, we'll throw it to you, shoot. Yeah. Okay. I can do that. Hell, I've been doing that for a long time. So Golden State, they need to do something. And I think Draymond is giving them, I think, a clear out to do that and justify it in basketball terms. We're not breaking up the band. We're simply moving on from a player who, frankly, is not giving us the kind of value that we need to be a championship contender. That's the official line. But being this has happened a few times already, where do you think the loyalty lies in keeping him? Because clearly there is money aside. Like, is there, do you think there's an ulterior reason to them still seemingly sticking beside him? Because that's what it appears that the world is still doing. Buy loyalty. See ya. Got none. Got none for you. I'll see you when I see you. Gary, what you got? (laughs) He said no. (laughs) Um, I think they should keep him, and Ooh, I think they. they I, th- I think they should try to work with him because at this point, remember he signed a four-year, hundred million-dollar contract before the season. You're not going to be. No one's going to take that deal. No one is going to take. Especially no one is. Yeah. Not quite right. I think aging, <laughs> aging, aging Draymond Green for four years and hundred million, unless it's the only team I could think of. Sherrod's favorite team, the Detroit, Detroit Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we just knew. Because, Detroit yeah. basketball. Oh, send them home. The Spurs. <laughs> send them home. No, no, I don't know. Pop not having that. Him and Pop, yeah, that, that'd be beautiful. That'll work. <laughs> no. So in any event, if I'm like, there's nothing you can really do with this contract. They basically chose Jordan Poole to go and Draymond to stay. They let Jordan pull. They trade him to Washington. Jordan's acting a fool there. <laughs> the Wizards are completely hor- horrific. 
But the thing about the Wizards, they're not the most horrific team in the league. There's the mm-hmm. P- Sherrod's Pistons and our friends from the city in San Antonio. But <laughs> there is nobody who is going to take that deal. The Warriors are stuck. They yeah. chose him. They thought we'll give you maybe last year, Draymond, you acted up and punched pool and just acted a fool because you weren't right. sure about your future in Golden State. Here, Draymond, here's security. Four year, hundred million. Okay. You're gonna retire here. You're gonna have your number 23 Please. lifted in the rafters of the Chase Center. You're gonna be. You know, give here's the key to the city. You're gonna then you're gonna go right into TNT and take over for Barkley. He's botching all of that. Huh. And, and I think he's still going to the Hall of Fame. And I think that he's still gonna get his number retired. But at this point, there's nothing they can do with him. So what you have to do is just you have to work with him. Like huh. whether it's like, okay, um Draymond, we're gonna have you see a professional and you don't have a choice. Like this is not. Man, you know, the the league is the league is messing me over, man. No, 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 no. They made him, yeah. No, 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 Draymond, you have a problem. You are tripping on the court. You are starting to really, you know, Rasheed Wallace didn't get much fights. He just he 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 used words to get all the technicals, right? I mean, he was not a fighter. I don't remember Rasheed just swinging on fools and knocking fools. Rasheed was just talking so much mess. This is a new found, new generation Rasheed Wallace where he's taken to a physical level. Like he clubbed Yurkic the other night. He put, he put uh, Rudy Gobert. Gobert in an LAPD chokehold. Oh, right? wow. Oh, no, he did. He did. I mean, come on now. That's where the chokehold was invented. I know. Um, me being born and raised in LA. Can we so, all get along? So, it, to me, to me, something's wrong. Yeah. And instead of dumping them because you can't, unless Sherrod's Pistons call, you're going to either you're not going to waive him because he's going to get all of his money. You're just going to have to work with him, and you're going to have to try to squeeze as much talent as you can out of him for this one year, and then this summer. Would you might be? I don't know. I don't think it's marketable. I don't think anyone's. He, he, he's like the only part, the only team that will probably be listening would maybe Brooklyn with Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is untradeable because he's always hurt. Because Ben, remember, Ben was working out in the summer and posting all those videos. Oh, I'm back. Ain't I'm 100%. I'm ready to take over the league again. And he'd been out another, he'd been out a month and had a back epidural again. So, like he's the only guy that you could say that might be that Brooklyn would say, okay, here's here's your problem. So here's our problem. We'll take yours. But that's the thing I, with Draymond too. Is like as if the game isn't already physical enough. Like now you're really not only putting your own career on the line, but other people's lives in a game where you know that like that's just dirt. I don't understand where the how he's evolved to become an even dirtier player than we already thought him to be. And why, despite knowing people don't like him for that, he continues. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I just think, I think it's to a point he can't really control. So, and that's a bad sign. Like, I just think they got to pull him aside and say, okay, Draymond, like you went, you took a five game suspension and it wasn't 
10 games and you back on suspension, whatever the league is going to give them, it should be happening today or t- today or tomorrow, uh, what the league decides. But I just think you got to, like, dumping them ain't going to work because you can't, unless you just wave them and eat all that money and pay him not to play. Here, Draymond, here's $100 million to stay in the house. Like, and then someone is going to sign him. That's true. Miami, somebody's going to be like, come on, Dre. We got you. We got you. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't believe there's going to be, there's not a lack of suitors for Draymond. Oh, for sure. It's just a lack of suitors for Draymond at the money he's making. Right. Don't worry. On a minimum deal? <laughs> There'll be 15 teams, trying to sign, 15 teams trying to sign Draymond Green. Easy. Easy. So don't do that. <laughs> so if you're the Warriors, don't wave him. And he's not going to wave back, Kwani. Anyway, I already um, waved when he presented the first time. <laughs> let's get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> don't wave him and work with him and see if there's something deep and inside of him and see, have him seek professional help. And I'm not being funny here. Like, I don't know what you mean. I an expert, that. someone that says, What's going on, man? Why you explode? What's going on here? Is it personal? Is it your career's coming? You can see the end of your career. You, you know, you're getting irritated. What's going on that you can't stay on the floor mm-hmm. and work with them and then try it again because you have no other options. Right. No, I absolutely believe unless that. the Pistons, unless, unless the Pistons, <laughs> unless, the, unless the Pistons come over. Hey, <laughs> we'll give you Kay Cunningham, Jalen Duran, we'll Jade Ivy. Jade Ivy. <laughs> and this really goes to the game later. They yeah. just have J- Draymond one person. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do think the, the mental health aspect, we've talked about this before, but I mean, when you look at the NFL and how the studies, like even at BU here in Boston, they have looked into CTE and the effects of playing a very physical game. And obviously I'm not trying to diagnose Draymond with anything at all, but I think, that study within the NFL just proved that, yes, this these are physical games that these players are involved in, but you have to think about the mental has- aspect, even if it just comes down to making sure that they are okay on a, a simple mental health level, because, yes, they are getting criticized by fans and coaches and people on a regular basis. So I think, you know, there are different levels to what mental health looks like, and it should be no question that that should actually be the first step of, right, What's going on, Draymond? Let's figure out who can actually reach you and you listen back to them and understand. Because to your point, there has to be more going on than just him being mad that somebody hit him or looked at him the wrong way on the floor. All right, before we close, it is time for our quarterly report here on the Big Three Podcast. We're going to talk about which Celtics have been profitable who haven't been profitable and which Celtics are on the rise and which Celtics you think might need to think twice about pouring specific fandom into, you know, don't get too committed unless they prove otherwise, but we'll start with unexpected profit for you two. Who has been better than expected so far for the Celtics team? For me, it's Derek White. I thought he was going to be good. I didn't think he'd be this damn good. He, 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 to me, if you had to go down, what are the top three reasons why the Celtics have the best record or at least tied for the best record in the NBA? He would have to be in that top three. So uh, we've seen when he is not himself and he plays how incredibly bad they are. You go back to that knockout round loss 
to Indiana, and Derek had five turnovers. That is a, that is about as un-Derek White like a stat as you can have. And then you look at what they do against the Milwaukee team or against a scrappy Cleveland team, and he gets you 17 points, makes five threes, had a couple of really good defensive plays, had a, quite a few good defensive plays. He gives the game what it needs, uh, and, and I didn't think he would be able to give it to the level that he has or be as consistent with it as he has been this first quarter of the season. So Derek White, my, that's my guy. I'm going to say Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, not that he is appreciably better than he was last year in Washington, but just durability. You know, he's he's missed he's missed uh, five games, but to me, he's been there most of the time. You know, like my man Boney T, he's been there most of the time, on time, most of the time. Boomerang reference. Um, Quite on the number about it that. Was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but on time, but on time most of the time. Um, <laughs> no, Przingis has played. Uh, Yom, done Yeoman's work. Nineteen points, six boards, two assists, a block and a half. Um, you know, almost a steal a game. Just been a complete player and also a rib protector. And so, to me. I'm going to say just the fact that he's made such a smooth transition. And obviously, Derek White is up there, too. He has been surprisingly great, too. I mean, awesome, you know, on, on that level. But I just think Porzingis is blending into the offense. He's been a team player. No, you know, uh, you know, there's no um, diva in him or anything like that. You know, he he wants to win. He's 29 years old. He's no longer that young guy in New York that was supposed to save the Knicks. 10 years ago uh, when he came straight from Latvia, you know, he's a guy who has been um, in all honesty, you know, in a sense, humbled at times and, and had some difficult times, but he sees this opportunity and is taking advantage. So I got to say Chris Porzingis for the player who's been the most surprised. Say hello to a stressless holiday season with the help of HelloFresh. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered to your door. Tis the season for giving and gathering, right? And with HelloFresh, it can also be the season of saving money. Yes, Christmas time, holiday season, actually saving money, something you rarely ever hear. But with HelloFresh, you can actually save money this month. With fresh recipes delivered, cheaper than takeout, and with pre-proportioned ingredients, you'll never waste money on excess food. Did you know HelloFresh does more than just dinners? From easy breakfasts to start your morning off right to 10-minute lunches or satisfying snacks both adults and the kiddies will love. HelloFresh has tasty choices for every mealtime occasion and the best part, no grocery trips required and thus no gas in your vehicle to get there. Everyone knows that I love the HelloFresh meatloaf, it's no secret, but I've expanded the palate a little bit and gotten into their meat and pasta dishes too, as well as their smoothies when I'm on the go. So whatever you have a taste for, HelloFresh has you covered. And right now, go to HelloFresh.com slash Big3 free, and that's Big3, T-H-R-E-E, free, and use code Big3 free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Big3 free with code Big3, T-H-R-E-E, free. And see for yourself why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Okay, up next, not the best category, but for you two, who is in the red? Someone that you think hasn't been as good as they were expected to be. Who you got, Gary? 
I'm going to say, boy, this is, I mean, there's a whole lot of candidates on this list. I'm going to say at this point, and it's, but it's, it's spy, you know, trending up is Peyton Pritchard. Oh, okay. um, you know, 32% from the three point line. He hit a couple of shots um, against the Cavaliers, but just still not as steady as you like 38% from the field. Um, you know, he, he's, he's done okay, but you thought with a more expanded role, um, he was going to jump on it and take advantage and flourish. And it, that really hasn't happened, especially on the road. So I'd like to see more good road Peyton uh, and not in, in just as much as there's good home Peyton. And so uh, I'm going to say Peyton Pritchard, not really, you know, meeting expectations just yet. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I think I'm going to go with Drew Holland. Uh, and, and, and the thing about Drew, it says more about how really, really good a player he's been throughout the course of his career that I'm even thinking about him in these terms. Uh, he hasn't been great. I think he's been decent. But the biggest the biggest concern I have with Drew is just the inconsistency. Uh, there are nights where he looks like the guy that you absolutely expect to be your point guard on an NBA championship caliber team. And other nights, he's inexplicably bad. Uh, there's a lot of – it disappears for whatever reason certain nights. He just doesn't have it. And maybe it's a father time thing. Maybe it's a, you know, a preparation thing. And maybe he didn't prepare as well as he normally does on, on a particular night. But there's something that he uh, – there's a certain level of inconsistency to what he's been bringing to the Celtics this year that I'm a little uncomfortable with. And I, and I – Again, it's not that he can't do it. It's just that he doesn't do it consistently. So he's the guy that I, I'm, I would definitely say hasn't been quite what I thought he would be at this point. All right. For the final bell, who do you both think is either rising or falling stock? You can pick one for each category. Uh, rising, I would say... Peyton Pritchard, Gary's guy, I, I give him that. Um, dropping, I would say mm, Luke, Luke Cornett. Uh, he's their third big, and he's had opportunities when guys are out to be that second big, and I don't think he's done a good enough job. And I think the Celtics are pretty clear on the need to, to find probably another third big between now and a trade deadline. Mm -hmm. So. Oh boy. Um <laughs> rising. That's an interesting question. I'm gonna say Drew Holiday. I think he's gotten, I think he's like I know Sherrod, I, I understand Sherrod's sentiment that he's been not as expected, but I do think he's starting to play better ball. He's starting to be more assertive uh with his, you know, with his scoring. Cause I just think, you know, he's not gonna get the shots he did in Milwaukee as kind of the number two option. Um or number three behind Middleton and Giannis, but but this situation, I think he's started to do better. If you look at the last couple of ball games, he had 14 points against the Bulls in that play-in game. I mean, the in-season tournament game, 13 uh, against the Sixers, nine against the. He did not have a good game against the Pacers, but his comeback was 16 against the Knicks. And then he had 11. He only took seven shots, but but hit three threes. And that's important. He had three threes against the Sixers, four threes against the Bulls. So his three-point shot is starting to come back. He has, let me see, in the last five games, he has 
12 three-point makes. That is huge because before he had gains of two for nine from three. He had a couple of games where he had one three. One game he had, he was 0 for two. Like he was not shooting the ball well. You don't need him to make a lot, to take a lot of shots. You just need Drew Holiday to make the shots that he's taking. And I see a trend up for his scoring, 27 points in the last two games. You know, and I see starting to be, feel comfortable and he's starting to drop the ball in the hoop. So I think, you know, and if you look at the Cleveland game, three steals, four rebounds, two assists, a block. He's filling the stat sheet. He's starting to play a little bit better. But I do understand Sherrod in terms of saying that he ha- he, he hasn't been Milwaukee Drew Holiday. And I think he's got to transform himself a little bit. But I also think uh, he's getting better. In terms of uh, de- in decline, I'm going to have to say Sherrod's buddy, O'Shea Brissett. Uh, I think that the expectation was he would take Grant Williams's minutes and his role as kind of the, the tough guy, the defender, the rebounder. And it just hasn't worked. He's uh, 13 DNPs this year. He's shooting 17% from the field, 11% from three. You know, he just has not had any impact on this team like I thought he would. And, you know, other guys are starting to get their shot. Banton is starting to get his shot. Keita, I think, needs to play more. Lamar Stevens, I think, needs to play more. Percent. I don't know whether they feel like maybe he'll help us down the line uh, if you're the Celtics or uh, he just ain't it. Um, so I think he's declining. He's just not getting the minutes. And I thought he'd carve out a role because of his athleticism is really to rebound and defend. And that just hasn't happened. Very well done. Thank you for your contributions. Anyway, that's all I have actually. <laughs> Any final words before we wrap up this episode of the big I'm just three? Glad, I'm just glad all three of us go to schools that are playing in bowl games this year. Oh, I don't know if that's ever that. happened because Cal usually don't get to a bowl game. So I'm glad y'all got to a bowl game this year, Cal. You're right. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you for your well wishes. <laughs> and also, before we wrap up, we need the viewers to chime in. Are fake trees better than real Christmas trees? Put a yes. in or something. No. <laughs> yes. No. Gary is fed up. By no. the way, my fake tree is sitting beautifully right behind my head right here. Yeah, no fake tree. You can manage and take down. care of a real tree. Get you a real tree. The kids love real trees. I it don't smells have like Christmas. <laughs> it smells like Christmas in the house. Don't get that Christmas spray and spray. I have a Christmas Listen, candle. Don't, <laughs> don't get a candle and spray. We don't Let it smell like real Christmas. Real Christmas. Go get your tree. You can afford it. We don't all have little guys running around. We got to make them happy with some real tree. Listen. He doesn't have Gary's running around. Exactly. (laughs) The point is this. A fake tree. How long do you, how how much time and effort and energy do you put into keep putting the tree up and then taking it down? Why why would you, why would you go out there and whack this this tree that takes 10 years to to grow? Mm. You plant this other seed. Murder. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll grow in another 10 years. You can replace it. But the bottom line is this. Just let the trees be. Save the tree. Hug the tree. Embrace the fake tree. <laughs> I just like that this tree takes me about probably five minutes to put together, if that. No mess either. No and mess. The decorating takes a while because I still want to make sure the ornaments are like evenly displaced. But then I put it back in the box. And next year, same process. 
You gotta go to a lot and find a tree and then fall in love and then chop it down. How how Christmas is that? Huh? I just feel like here, yeah. I just feel like here turn on Bean Crosby's white Christmas right now because this is so Christmassy. He's so sick of us. Bean Crosby. His version of White Christmas is probably the best one of all best white, you know, we can talk next week about the best Christmas songs we all you know of all time. Bean Crosby White Christmas. No, let's go. You know, Nat King Cole's this Christmas song is, you know, we we could we could talk about that next week. Give love on Christmas Day. Come on. Give man. love on Christmas Day, yeah. That's a perfect right. tease for next See, week's episode then. We're going we to talk tuned. about that next week. I like this debate. It's going to be great. So make sure you're tuned in to the Big 3 NBA podcast next week and, of course, the weeks after. Until then, for Ashawn Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lewis, and enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back. <laughs>